Hey, good morning once again. If you slipped in between the last time and this time, or you don't know who I am, my name is Chris and I am the lead pastor here. Uh, if there's any preschool kids who want to go out and do some fun activities, speak now or forever hold your peace. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. In fact, we are finishing up a series we call Real Love. We have studied the entire book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 called the Love Chapter. So go ahead and turn your Bibles there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, I will pray for us and then we'll dig into what God has to say. So Father God, we know that uh, love is like the main ingredient in your economy. Uh, your love for us needs to be reflected to this world. This is what you call us to. This is what you expect from us. And so help us to soak in what you have to say to us today, Father, uh, because this message, I believe, from you is the one that ties everything we've learned together over the last three weeks. Open our hearts, make us like sponges to receive what you have to say, and use me in any way that you see fit to get your message across in this place today, Father. We just pray that you continue to inhabit this place and fill us with your presence during this time. We love you, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen for us. Uh, listen, aren't you glad uh, that in this world that we live in, there are still some things that are guaranteed? Aren't you glad that in all the busyness and the chaos and the uncertainty, anybody notice any uncertainty in this world? I mean, all you got to do is turn on the news, right? In the midst of all that, in the midst of all of those things, in the midst of our worry and our stress and our, you know, battling to get here and there and running the kids from here and there and carpools and all that kind of stuff, there are still some things that we can count on, still some things that are guaranteed. For example, if you pull into a gas station and you pull up to the pump, making sure that you're on the right side. By the way, here's a life hack. On your gas gauge where the little gas, uh, you know, thing is, and you see the little pump, there's an arrow that will tell you which side your gas door is on. So if you ever are one, yes, there is. Absolutely. See, I'm done. Thank you. That is true. Look at your gas. Look at look there where the little gas tank is. There's an arrow that tell you exactly what side to pull on. I, and I just learned that like five years ago. So don't be <laughs> don't be too impressed. But if you pull up at the gas pump and you stick the gas handle in there and you put it on there and you do like I do and leave it to run automatically and go sit in your car when it clicks off, when it fills your tank up, it is guaranteed that you will have a full tank of gas. Guaranteed. Full tank of gas every time. It is almost guaranteed that if you go into a restaurant, Szechuan Cafe, for example, and buy $100 worth of sushi and eat it all, guaranteed you'll be full. Guaranteed. If I were to take four bags of oodles and noodles, because you all know how much I love oodles and noodles, crunch them all up, put them into boiling water, put in the chicken flavoring, because that's the only flavor that's really worth eating, by the way, chicken. Chicken. Who's all my chicken oodles and noodles people? Come on. That's right. Creamy chicken's all right. All right. All right. All right. But if I were to do that and eat them all, it's pretty much a guarantee that I would be satisfied. In this world, 
It's pretty much guaranteed that if you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you are a considerate spouse and you do not want to turn the lights on to wake up your significant other, it's almost guaranteed that you are going to stub your little baby pinky toe right on the bed frame or on the nightstand. It's almost a guarantee, almost a guarantee. It's almost guaranteed in this world that as soon as you get ready and be comfortable to watch your TV and put on what we call fat pants, you know, the ones with the elastic waistband, we call them fat pants. We put on our fat pants and we get all ready to watch like, you know, love after lockup. It's almost a guarantee that you're going to remember that you're going to remember you need to get something out of your car. Almost guaranteed. In my house, it is a 100% guarantee that as soon as I start to walk down my steps, my little ninja cat, kamikaze cat, my little, you know, the whatever I want to call her, is going to go like this, all the way down the steps. And, and as soon as I'm about ready to step on that one step, she's going to lay right there while I'm in mid-step. Guaranteed every time. Guaranteed every time. It's almost guaranteed that if you run over a nail, your tire is going to be flat. Some things in this life are guaranteed. Aren't we glad about that? Aren't we glad about that? My father used to say there's only two things guaranteed in this life. Death. And taxes, that's right. Only two things guaranteed in this life. And, you, and then he would say, and you don't really have to pay taxes if you don't want to. But I am, not, I am not advocating that, by the way. This is not financial advice. This is not financial advice. We say these things all the time. It never fails. It never fails that. It never fails that I go to Target and every line I get in is the one that takes an hour. It never, except for last night, we scored. We went into Target, we shopped, we went up there, and the, the self-checkout line was all the way back to, like, the Ulta Beauty section. Everybody know where that is? And we walked right into a register that had nobody at it. I don't even know how that happened. Of course, then it took him, like, a half an hour to ring us up, but that's a whole different issue. <laughs> never fails. Never fails. We say that all the time. It never fails that this. It never fails that this. It never fails that this. But the problem is it's usually something not so great. Usually something a little bit bad. It's usually something, you know, that we really don't want to go through. It never fails. In fact, I would say we rarely ever think that way about love. We rarely ever think about love not failing. Because we say things like, all's fair in love and war. All's fair. Everything's game. We're programmed to think that way. Human love, this emotional love, has programmed us to understand that at some point in your love career, you are going to be disappointed. Even if you are madly in love with the person you're with, at some point, you're going to disappoint your, your significant other. You're going to disappoint your, your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Love lets us down. Anybody ever been let down by love? Constantly. If you are in love, guaranteed, some point in time, you're going to be let down. Love brings us heartache. Love brings us heartbreak. Love brings us sadness. In fact, I think we all have a sad love story somewhere. We all have a sad love story in our past, and maybe more than one. I can tell you some things in my life you don't want to hear. We all have one, but but we have been talking about a different kind of love over the last three weeks. And this is kind of our human problem is that when we think of the word love, we're always thinking about it in human terms. We've been talking about love. If you remember the word, the Greek word is agape love, this selfless love, this love that always seeks the good of others. And we have learned that love 
is the one thing that completes us as Christians. No matter what goes on in your life, no matter what spiritual gifts, if we're talking about what Paul was talking about to the church in Corinth, no matter what car you drive, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter how many zeros you have after your annual income, no matter whether your watch matches your shoes, no matter how big a house you live in, no matter how many kids you have, what you look like, none of that stuff matters if we do not have love. It completes us. It is what is our mark that identifies us as Christians. In fact, Paul says, you have all that stuff, but without love, you are nothing, you gain nothing, and everything you do is just noise. And then we learn that active is the word. This kind of love must be active. It has to get out and do stuff. We learn that love is patient continuously. Love is kind continuously. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not seek your own interest. Love is always active, and it must do something. And last week we learned that because love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, and love always endures, that it's kind of like a hero in our lives. And that we, if we allow God's love to flow through us to the world, we can kind of be a hero in this world and make a difference. This is what we're talking about. But this week we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. As we wrap up this series, we're going to be talking about kind of the glue that holds everything together. And I want to start with some scripture memorization. Everybody loves to memorize scripture. I don't see any hands out there. Just Barb. Just Barb. We're going to memorize some scripture. Now, I warn you, this might be a little bit difficult and challenging for some of us because I am terrible at memorizing scripture. I could paraphrase scripture. I could tell you kind of what it says. I could tell you what it means. But if I'm going to quote it word for word, verse for verse, I'm kind of bad at that myself. I don't know about you, but we are going together uh, together as a church. I swear it's, you, we'll get through it. Don't sweat it. Don't be too hard on yourselves. We are going to memorize some scripture. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Love never fails. Everybody say that. Love never fails. One more time. Love never fails fails love never fails love never fails take it away give yourselves a hand you have now memorized scripture this is first corinthians chapter 13 verse 8a that is just the beginning of verse 8 but it's what we're going to be dealing with today love never fails now what comes to your mind when you hear that love never fails if you're human and i think you all are and you have a brain and you rely on the experience of your life you're probably thinking something like huh, yeah right yeah that's a good one pastor chris love never fails have you have you lived my life have you seen the guy i used to date have you seen her Love never fails. Remember that time when I was so in love and then I found out blah, 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 blah. Remember that time when I was so in love and he just turned out to be the most immature something, something, something. You insert your own words there. I can't say those things in stage. That's what we think. Yeah, right. Love never fails. I don't think so. Sounds good. But, but here's, yeah, bless you. <laughs> but here's the thing. 
It's true. Human, emotion-based love, the love that we run to all the time, the love that we search for in our lives, always fails. Always fails. But we're not talking about that love. We're not talking about that kind of love at all. Now, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit because the truth is that even this love we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, even agape love, even the love that God sends to us that we're supposed to flow through this world will fail if we approach it from the wrong mindset. Even this love that we're supposed to radiate from God will fail if we approach it from the wrong mindset. And I'll tell you, when I first tried to put 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love into practice in my life, I failed miserably. I did. I failed miserably. I was like, I'm reading scripture, and God says, we're just not supposed to be readers of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. So if it says go out and do these things, I'm going to go out and do these things. And I went out and tried to do these things, and all I got was a bunch of weird looks. All, all I got was people looking at me like, why in the world are you doing this? I don't understand. Get away. You smell. You look funny. I don't need your help. All this guy. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever try to go out and put this stuff into practice and just people look at you like with a blank stare and what in the world are you doing? Weird looks, maybe. And you know why? It's because we think that this idea of real love, love as a hero, agape love, is all up to us. We think that it's all about our power. We think that it's all about what we can do. We think that it's all about what we can put into it. And in fact, if we're not careful... We can get into kind of a works-based love scenario where we do it out of duty. We do it because the Bible says so, but not because we're doing it with the right motives, not because we're doing it with the right power, and not because we're doing it with the right strength. We're prideful, and we're selfish, and we try to approach even God's agape love from that standpoint. But here's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 73. My flesh... And my heart may fail. But God, everybody say, but God. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Everything we do in our own strength, our flesh and our heart, if we're leading it with our own pride, if we're leading it with our own self-interest, if we're leading it like I'm going to take a picture and post it on Facebook and pat myself on the back, if we do it in that frame of mind, it is always, always, always going to fail. But God is our source, our strength, and our portion. But he's not just our source, and he's not just our portion, and he's not just our strength. In all those things, he is also the source of agape love. He is the source of real love. He is the source of all true love. He is the source of all selfless love. He is the source of all complete love, all real love, all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love that we are supposed to go out and show to this world springs from God and it is made perfect through him. It's not our love. It's not a love. It's not some love. It's not worldly love. It's not boyfriend-girlfriend love. It is God's love through us. God's love through us. 
which means that there's something more to all of this. There's like a secret ingredient. It's kind of like when your grandmother, you know your grandmother got her recipe for cookies, and you love those cookies. Anybody love their grandma's cookies? And you're like, Grandma, can I have that recipe? And she writes it down on an index card, and she gives it to you. And then you go home, you're like, I'm going to bake grandma's cookies. I'm going to bake them, and they're going to be awesome. And you bake grandma's cookies, and you eat one. And you're like, hmm, this don't taste like grandma's cookies. Something's wrong. They're good, but they're not grandma's cookies. And that's because grandma wrote down only the basic ingredients, right? She didn't tell you that in the middle of all that. She's like, oh, I'm just going to put a pinch of that in there. I'm going to put a stash of that. I'm going to put this over here. Tastes like this. i got to put some more of this. got to put some more of this. It's a secret ingredient, right? Grandma's got secret ingredients for every one of her recipes. She's just giving you the basics. This is kind of the way it is with God's love through us to the world. There is something that we have to put into place if this is ever going to work, if we're ever going to have a real love that never fails. And John 15, chapter, uh, verse 5, gives us the answer. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking to his guys, and he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, some translations say if you abide in me, and I in you, meaning that it's a two-way street, right? We have to remain in Jesus so that Jesus remains in us, inhabits us. If that happens, you will bear much fruit. But here's the part I want us to understand. Apart from me, he says, apart from Jesus, if we're not remaining in him, if we're not abiding with him, you can do nothing. That means that if we go out in this world and we try to practice 1 Corinthians chapter 13, real agape love, and we are missing that secret ingredient, it's going to fail. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. We can put our faith in Jesus. We can say the, we can pray the prayer. We can say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I turn from my life and I walk towards you. We can do that and we can just be saved, right? And this is what a lot of Christians do. And I hope it's no I know it's nobody in here, but a lot of Christians pray that prayer. They're like, Oh, I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm good. I'm just, you know, one day I'll be up in heaven. But for now, I can just live however I want. I can do whatever I want. This relationship with God is great, and I'll pull him out when I have a problem. And, and when things go bad, I'll start praying to him. We can do that, or, or we can live our lives attached to the source. We can live our lives connected to the vine. We can live our lives remaining in being in, connected with Jesus, who is the source of all real love, who is the source of all agape love. Think about it this way. You go out to a really nice restaurant. I don't know what your favorite restaurant is. Pick one, Ruth's Chris, um, you know, something down in Little Italy. I don't whatever, whatever. Pick your favorite restaurant. You go there, you sit down with your beautiful wife, and you order this amazing dinner. Appetizers come, and the main course comes, and the dessert comes, and it looks so good. It's like one of them pictures you can take and put on Instagram. You know how everybody does? Put their picture of dinner on Instagram. I don't know why I'm see your dinner on Instagram, by the way, because that just makes me hungry. And it looks great, and it smells great, and you just sit there and look at it for an hour. Then you get up, 
pay your bill, tip the waiter, and leave. You have food. You got dinner. You got all the trappings. You got the bread. You got the little, you know, oil and, you know, seeds, whatever they call it. You dip your little crusty bread in. You got all that stuff. You have food, but you were not nourished. You have food, but you didn't get any sustenance. You have food, but it wasn't any good because it didn't do what it was supposed to do. We eat food for, for strength, for nourishment, for sustenance. It's the same thing. Jesus says, remain in me, abide in me, be connected to me, always live your life like this. This is how we're supposed to be with Jesus, connected to the vine because the vine gives us all that we need to live in this life. It also gives us the source of love that we're supposed to radiate in this world. He says, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. And what is this real love we've been talking about? What is agape love? What is love shown to the world if it's not fruit? If it's not what we're supposed to be given to this world, nourishing the world, bringing light to the world. You see, if we're going to have a real agape, selfless love that never fails, what's our verse? That was a little weak. All right, let me, on three. One, two, three. If we're going to have that kind of love, we have to connect to the source of real love. It's not just about praying a prayer saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. It's about a a relationship that constantly seeks to get closer and connect more and be deeper in him. It's not just connection. It's this idea of soaking in Jesus in everything that we do, abiding in him, putting our rest in him, seeking him, living in him, and receiving his love. You see, some of us just kind of, this this wall is put up in our hearts that we just are like, I don't understand why God would love me, and so I'm not going to receive his love. But when we can get to that place where we open that up, and that only happens when we remain in Jesus, when we stay connected to the vine, if we can get to a place where we can open up those walls and let them break down and receive the fullness of God's love, perfect and unfailing, we can do that, then that love will eventually just fill us up and radiate out to the world. Without that connection, Jesus says, we can do nothing. Nothing. We can do nothing that lasts in this world. And more importantly, we can do nothing that benefits our eternity. Because all this stuff is going to go away. All the things we do in our own strength and our own power is going to fade away. We're going to fade away. The only things that matter are those things we're doing for our eternal life. Come on. That's right. If we allow ourselves to be engulfed in God's love, in this relationship with Jesus, we receive his love, we're immersed in God's love, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. You will start to see 
changes in you, you will start to see that you have a love that is more patient, that you can bear with more people's junk out there, even when they're throwing it at you all the time. You will start to see that you have a love that is more kind, that you are seeking the interest of others, that you are seeking to do good for others, not just because they come to you and say, I have this problem, can you help me? But because you're looking, you're, you're involved in people's lives, you are out there, you will see that you have a selfless love that doesn't think about what you get out of it you will see that the love of God is flowing through you. And when his love flows through us, it cannot fail. It can't. It's not possible. It is not possible for God's love to fail. God is eternal. God is perfect. God is the source of all good. God is the fountain of perfect love. God has been here for always and forever, the beginning and the end. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. God never fails. And if God never fails, then his love in us and through us can't fail either. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Yes. Come on. It's like a flashlight, right? I have like five flashlights, maybe like eight flashlights. I don't know. I have lots of flashlights. I like flashlights because I like taking them out in the dark and going. I got flashlights that kind of zoom in and out, go wide, and I got flashlights that blink, and I got flashlights that, you know, are blue light, and I got like red light flashlights. I got one that straps on my head so I can get under the house and see things. That's the best flashlight, by the way. It'll change your world. And I have a couple of flashlights that have a rechargeable battery, but most of my flashlights have, like, regular batteries, right? Now, what happens when your flashlight fails to light anymore? Do you just throw it away? Not usually. I mean, if it's like one of them Dollar Tree flashlights that come with the cheap batteries and it goes, you just throw that away and buy a new one. But if you have a decent flashlight, you know, the one that actually lights your house when the power goes out, you don't throw the flashlight away. What do you do? You buy a new battery. You buy new batteries. You replace the source of power. You replace the source of power. And listen, our light of real love will never go dim if we are always connected to the source of that power, the source of that real love, the source of perfect, everlasting, agape, selfless love that was shown to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. God's love through us never fails. It never fails. It never stops. It never fades. It is never ineffective. It is never weak. It is never diminished in any way. God's love through us will never fail if we stay connected to the source of that love. We, we may fail. We will fail to love at times. It happens to all of us. We do. But God's love through us will never fail. It will never fail. If we stay connected to the vine, Paul goes on to speak about and the rest of first Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to read it. Go home and read it. Uh, He goes on to speak about um, things that will go away. He says, says the gift of, of tongues will go away. All these gifts that the Corinthian church was fighting over will go away. All the stuff in your life will go away. He says that when I was a baby, I acted this way and I talked this way and I ate this way. But even that went away and I became an adult. The things of this world are temporary. And all the things we chase after in this world, they're all going to go away. They're all going to fail us. The world is great at overpromising, 
and under-delivering. The world is great at saying, oh, you just, you just go in this direction, and I will give you everything you want. And then what happens? Disappointment. Failure. If we chase after the things in this world, we're only chasing after temporary treasures. God says, don't store up for yourself treasures here. Store up treasures for your eternal. Store up treasures for eternity. Store up treasures in heaven. All these things that we chase after will go away. But real love never fails. It never ceases to work. It never ceases to be effective. And we can all have that love. Anybody want to love like that? Anybody want to be able to love the world that way? I hope we all do. We can have that love. But the only way we can have it is to tap into the source. We have to stay connected to that vine. We have to abide in Jesus. Everything we do needs to be about building that relationship. Some call it spiritual maturity. Some call it a deeper walk. Some call it deeper faith. Whatever you want to put, whatever term you want to put on it is fine. But that's what we're called to do. Jesus wouldn't have said this if it wasn't important, right? I mean, Jesus doesn't just talk to hear himself talk. He talks, and he writes it in here, and it's recorded by humans for us to read and put into practice. When Jesus says, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit, that pretty much means if you stay connected to me, you will bear much fruit. And when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he means it. Apart from him, You can do nothing. And look, I struggled with this for a long time. I did. I struggled with this. I said just a couple of minutes ago that, you know, I tried to love this world out of duty, right? Because the Bible said so. And when I read the Bible, I'm supposed to do what it says. I tried to love this world to get my own recognition. I tried to love this world for all kinds of reasons that weren't the right ones. And it was always ineffective. I always struggled with it. It was always just not a natural thing. But something changed. When I made a commitment, this has been several years ago, made a commitment to do everything I could to stay connected and remain in the vine, stay connected to Jesus. It changed things. It was a game changer. It made all the difference in the world in the way I approached the world, in the way I thought about the world, in my preconceived notions. And I still struggle from time to time. We're all going to struggle. Most of the time when I struggle, it's because I have somehow become a little bit separated. I have somehow become a little bit disconnected. And that happens in life, whether we're busy, whether we're tired, whether, you know, we just get into a bad habit. We, we do. We, we, we kind of move away. We're all going to fail when we disconnect. When we disconnect from the source, when we do not stay attached to the vine, our love will fail. We will fail. We'll become ineffective. But my desire for this church, my desire for the people watching at home, my desire for people who may not have ever come into these walls yet, is that we will all have love, not be in love. We will all have love love that never fails my desire is that we will all each one of us pursue jesus with our whole heart 
with all of our strength and all of our soul and all of our mind, everything that we have. I, I, I have this, this desire that all of us will experience his love deeply, that we will break down the walls that keeps God's love from inhabiting us and that his love will so fill us, will so expand in us, will so explode in us that it leaks out into the world. I have a desire that we will all stay connected to the source of unfailing love, of perfect love, of agape love. This is the glue that holds everything we've learned over the last four weeks together. This is something that Paul doesn't necessarily say, by the way, but he kind of, it's implied because the rest of Paul's writings all talk about this. If we do that, if we seek him daily, we will have a love that is powerful and a love that is effective, a love that is life-giving, a love that is world-changing, a love that is darkness-shattering. Do you know that dark is not a real thing? Dark is just a word they give to the absence of all light. As soon as we shine light into a dark space, it's not dark anymore. That's what love does. That's what real selfless agape love does. It is darkness shattering. This kind of love gives hope. This kind of love brings light to a failing world. This kind of love glorifies God. And this kind of love, love that starts with God, that fills us up, that explodes into the world, this kind of real agape love never fails. It never fails. It can't fail. Because the source isn't us. The source is him. I read somewhere that with us, things are impossible, but with God, it's impossible. That's pretty good, isn't it? Impossible. Impossible. So, as we kind of close the door on this series, I have an ask, an assignment whatever you want to call it, homework. It's not homework, because I want you to do it before you leave here today. Um, back there, you'll see a round black table covered with a black tablecloth. On that table are some index cards. I hope there's enough for everybody. Uh, if not, you can always tear one in half. And here's what I want you to do. We did, we did this exercise in our small group on Tuesday because we were talking about this conversation of how do we grow our faith, how do we become more spiritually mature, how do we grow closer to Jesus every day. And so four of us in that group committed that we are going to do something. We, we all had something different. We are going to do something. And that's a commitment that I'm asking from you guys. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you need to start reading your Bible more, you know, regularly. Maybe you need to start reading your Bible, period. Maybe you need to, you know, up your prayer life. Maybe you need to actually, you know, get out and serve. Stop saying, well, I'm afraid to do that. Maybe, I don't know what it is. I don't know. But all of us can do something. Does anybody feel that their walk with Jesus is perfect? Does anybody feel that their walk with Jesus can't get any better? No, we all can. It doesn't matter how we are. We're all on different kind of rungs of the spiritual maturity ladder, but we can all figure out something. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back there before you leave today, and I want you to take two of those cards. And whatever it is that you decide, and for those of us who were in the small group, you can write the same thing down. It's good. 
I won't make you do double duty. Whatever it is you decide, I want you to write it on two cards. One of those cards I want you to take home and put on your refrigerator or your bathroom mirror or on your dashboard or your car, wherever you want to put it so that you see it every day. The other one I want you to bring up here, turn over, and set it right down there in a pile for me so I can take those home. You don't have to put your name on it. If you want to put your name on it, you can, but you don't have to put your name on it. And so I can take those home and pray for us as a church. So can you guys do that for me? Because, yes, come on. Because as we, as we you, you'll, you'll, you'll discover in yourself that as you commit to that, and I'm not talking about a week. I'm not talking about a day. I'm not talking about, you know, I'll do it today, but then tomorrow I can take it down. I'm talking about something that you do from here on out. And if you feel that you have perfected that thing from here on out, then f- figure out something else and figure out something else and figure out something else and continue to go deeper, continue to connect more, to continue to abide in Jesus more so that you cannot be separated from him, you cannot be separated from his love, and that his love starts to just take over your life and flow out into this world. That's what I'm asking. So come on, we can do that. We can do it. I know we can. I have faith in us. And maybe, maybe the thing that you're like, you're like, I don't even know Jesus to have this relationship with him. I, this all sounds good. I would like a love like that. I would love to be able to go out and serve the world that way. But you just have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And, you know, I don't ever leave here on a Sunday without giving somebody the chance to do that. And we don't do that, by the way. We don't do that just for the, the, the blessing of being able to go out and love the world. The reason that we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior is because we are separated from God. Every one of us is sinful. Every one of us is, is saddled with the condition of sin that we inherited from the very first people, Adam and Eve. And the only way to get back into God's relationship is to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And so maybe you have never done that. If you're watching at home, I invite you to join with us, and we lead a prayer. And if you are in that place where you, you feel God is pulling you today to make that decision, uh, I would ask that you pray this with us. With all heads bowed, we'll pray this way. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating spiritual death. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. I turn from my old life. And I turn towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, for anyone who has honestly and openly and deeply prayed that prayer today, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. I know that it is not because of me. I know that it is not because of the words I say, but only because of you that it's possible for us to be restored to you in relationship. Father, for the rest of us who... who, Claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but maybe sometimes forget to stay connected, God. Put a fire in our hearts. Put a fire in our hearts to just seek you daily. Stay connected to you.
to abide in you, to receive your love so that it fills us up so much that it just bursts out into this world, God. We love you so much. We thank you for being who you are. We thank you for being a God who showed us what perfect love is in the form of your son, Jesus Christ. We are in awe. And we just want to worship you and glorify you, God. And finally, we just ask, 